Hello, members of the Yours Truly Podience fam, and welcome to episode 43 of the podcast. I'm Claire. I'm your host. I'm the self-proclaimed queen of peanut butter and jelly and all things food puns, but you know that already if you've hung out with me before. But if you're new here, just thought I'd introduce myself before the actual intro comes in. So on today's episode, I have a really special treat for you guys, a really cool interview that I did with my friend Desi, my friend, my fellow dietitian, my fellow dietitian entrepreneur, nutrition coach, and he has a really cool target audience and a really cool background with how he has gotten to the place he is right now with his nutrition practice and his business. But before we get to that part of the episode, I want to give you a quick little life update. And then of course, we also have to focus in on the yours truly goal slaying post of the week. So little life update living here three weeks, I believe it is now, into living in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area. And it's been really cool to kind of explore a new area, learn learn my bearings, learn how to get around. I really, I don't use my car that much here because everything is within walking distance. So that has been really cool for my move freely practice. But something that has also been really cool is living in a space where I'm surrounded by a larger number of people who do similar things to what I do. There's lots of dietitians here. There's lots of people who I've been following in the social media world for a while now. And now I actually have the opportunity to meet with them face to face and kind of have that moment of, oh my gosh, like you actually exist in real life. So I just got back from dinner with my my new friend, my new in real life friend. Um, her name is Erica. So Erica, if you're listening, I had a wonderful time with you um, at dinner, kind of talking about all things nutrition. And it's really great to kind of step out of my online dietitian role and remember that real face-to-face interaction is a thing and it is really important. So that's been something that's really cool. Also another thing, a little update here in in the, the Yours Truly office. So I've moved into a little sunroom area, which has been really wonderful for my plants. Not so wonderful when it's super, super hot outside. I end up very sweaty at the end of a work day. But with my plants, guys, they are thriving. I have a sweet potato vine on my desk. And I, I honestly don't know. So it's in a pot that's not that large, but I'm kind of wondering if, I, if I'm ever going to have to repot it. Like, is a sweet potato just going to grow and plop out on my desk? I don't really know. That one is thriving. And then I have another one over here that it seems like overnight it just grew a mushroom. Like, I mean, I've been outside before, like in the woods and kind of going through places like that. And, you know, so you see patches of wild mushrooms, but I've never had a houseplant grow a mushroom before. And I put this on my Instagram story earlier for any plant people, people with knowledge of plants beyond that of which I have. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Does that mean I have some like weird fungus among us type of thing going on? Or I, I don't know. So if you know anything about plants... Send me a DM on Instagram, Claire Tuning. Let me know if my plants are doing well because they're growing mushrooms or if I need to do something else. But this is not a podcast about plants, even though I would like to plant that idea in your mind. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. But this is a podcast about intuitive eating and nutrition, so we're going to kind of reroute back to that topic of conversation. So what I'm going to do now is I have to find it. I have like a million tabs open here. Did you guys ever do that? Do you have like a million tabs open at your desk at all times? But I found the tab that I'm looking for. This is going to be the Yours Truly Goal Slaying Post of the Week. So if you have been around the podcast for a while, you know this beloved segment of our podcast. If you're new, 
This is the time where I take to feature a post from the private Facebook community that I run, that I love, that I'm growing every single day. It's a place where not only my one-on-one clients hang out, but anyone and everyone who is interested in learning more about intuitive eating mindful eating and getting daily tips, tricks, tactics, live videos to help further their journey. This is the free private community for you to hang out in. So this post that I'm about to read comes from one of my current clients and we had our call this past weekend and this is her her takeaway or what she came out of the call kind of ruminating on and realizing. So I'm going to read this now and let's hope that I don't stutter after all of the words that I have said today. So she writes, I had a profound realization this week about asking for help and the power of mentorship, starting with a message from Claire. She reminded me that what she gets to do as a coach is hold space for me to step into who I am capable of being and reminding me of who I am when I can't see it. The same thing is true with mentors at work, my therapist, and my friends. I secretly keep trying to get out of these relationships and asking myself, am I strong enough to not need their help anymore? Although it is important for my understanding of my own worth to come from me and not someone else's opinion, it's unrealistic and unhealthy to do everything alone. It's like, and I'm going to be totally honest with you guys, she has a reference here that I am not familiar with and I would really butcher the names of the people if I tried to say them. So I'm going to skip this part, full transparency. She's referencing Hadestown. I, I think that might be maybe a book, a TV show, something like that. But she makes a reference that I'm sure is very, very applicable, but I don't want to, to butcher the name. So I'm going to skip over that. And then she goes on. Or, as Claire likes to say, the person's voice in the back seat gets louder and louder. We can get lost in the turmoil of our minds, and when we are the only people supporting ourselves, all of a sudden we start wondering, am I doing this right? What am I missing? Am I a person worthy of love and belonging if I'm the only one hearing myself say this? Note, you see what you look for. Be open to the love around you that you normally take for granted. That's why it takes courage to ask for help. We have to let ourselves and our fears be seen first, but in doing so, our support systems can show us something even greater, our power, love, and accomplishments. Any person can't stand strong on their own, no matter their strength, mental work, or emotional intelligence. No idea can last with only one piece of evidence. Even a table needs at least three legs for support. This week was really for me, but any journey through the underworld is worth it if I make it out with even stronger relationships. Asking for help isn't about being weak. It's just about the reality that a table can't stand on one leg. So I want to give a big shout out to my goal slayer for writing this really insightful post after our call. And I want to offer apologies again that I did not want to attempt the reference as not to to butcher the names there. But I want to thank her for offering this post to the community because it's a place for sharing. It's a place where everybody comes together to gather value from what everybody else is learning on their journey. And I think what she's bringing up here is super, super important. I think a lot of the times we're trained to, if you ask for help, then you're being weak. Or if you can't do it on your own, then you're not doing a good enough job. But if that was the case, then people in helping professions or things like friends, family, support systems, they wouldn't exist. So I think if you're in a place now where this is really hitting home for you on any level of your life, but especially on 
the health, the nutrition, the intuitive eating journey, if you are trying to be like that table who is balancing on one leg and you're saying, why isn't this working? Why am I failing? Why do I keep going back to my old ways? Why aren't I feeling successful in this journey? And then you're not reaching out for help. Well, we can't expect different results if we keep doing the same thing over and over again. So if you're hearing this message and you want more support in your intuitive eating journey, you want that community aspect, you want that level of support so you can kind of bolster your table with the three other legs that it needs to stand, I have a couple different places where you can do that. Obviously, this is a point in the episode where I come out and openly invite you to join the Yours Truly Goal Slaying Facebook community. So like I said, this is a free private community where I do daily posts, I do videos, my one-on-one clients offer takeaways from their calls. So like I said, everybody can learn and glean information from everyone's journey. It's a wonderful place. It's very, very supportive. So if you're interested... In joining this community, there is only one thing you have to do. So it's a free, open community, but you do have to apply to join so that one, I can get to know a little bit more about you, and two, I can understand what you need more help with in your journey and lay a couple of ground rules so that this community stays the best place on the internet. So if you're interested in finding that application, you can find it linked in my bio on Instagram. That's at Claire Tuning on Instagram. You'll find it there. Fill it out. I'll reach out to you personally with the next steps to join. If you're not on Instagram or if you want to cut to the chase, you can just simply search the Yours Truly Goal Slayers on Facebook. The group will come up. You can hit request to join and then I can private message you, DM you, whatever the heck we call that on Facebook. I can message you the link to the application for you to fill that out as well. So I would love to have you in the Yours Truly Goal Slaying group, but if you've been hanging out there for a while, If you maybe don't have a Facebook and what this client of mine said resonates with you, you feel like you're at a place in your journey where you've been trying to do it all alone, but you need support, you need accountability. Maybe you have the information, but you need application to your own life of the information and someone to help guide you through the journey. I do have spots open in this month for my one-on-one gentle nutrition and intuitive eating coaching program. This, I did a big revamp as far as my Instagram is concerned. So if you want to read who this program is for and who it isn't for, head over to Instagram and check out my highlight reel that is titled coaching. But if you're looking for this one-on-one approach, working with a coach and having this really tight-knit community for your support, I encourage you to reach out and apply. So this application or this program rather is by application only. Um, I like to make sure I am accepting people into the program who are very committed, very interested in the path of intuitive eating so that we can create the best, most supportive relationship of each other to get you to the place that you want to be with intuitive eating. So the application for this program also lies in my Instagram bio. It's private nutrition coaching application. You can find it there. What happens if and when you fill that out? I reach out to you personally. We'll set up a time for a free 30-minute call between you and I so that you can learn more about the program. I can learn more about you. I can add any tidbits of value to your journey. And then at the end of that call, if you and I both feel that you are a good fit for the program, for this intuitive eating approach that I take, I would be more than happy to tell you more about the program and offer you a spot. So again, the application lives in my bio on Instagram, or you can also reach out to me on Facebook and I would be more than happy to connect you to the application there. 
So, fancy transition music. Da-da-da-da. You guys know, if you've been hanging out with me, that I do just about everything here at Yours Truly Nutrition, so there is no such thing as fancy computer podcast person who, like, edits and splices things together. I do that all myself, so that was my best attempt at my fancy transition music, but we're going to go ahead and transition a little 180 here to today's episode and the guest who was amazing enough to offer me about 45-50 minutes of his time to be interviewed to share a little bit of his journey into not only how he got into working in the field of nutrition, but how his message, how his practice has kind of evolved from everything he has done in the field so far. So my interview today is with Desi Abeda, and yes, I had to ask him how to pronounce his last name, and he broke it down for me, that it's literally a beta, like A and then beta, like the symbol. So he makes it very easy for me to remember in that way. You may know him as Fit Dad's Cook on Instagram. He, his main target audience, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's so interesting because I... In my experience in getting to know people in this field and getting to know other dietitians, I've never run across another professional who works primarily with with dads and with family men to make them the, the best individual that they can be so they can go and dedicate their best selves to their family and creating a positive culture around food and a positive culture around family and community time and all, and all of that. So I absolutely love Desi's message. And what I found out here in our conversation is he actually has has a background in working with eating the eating disorder population, which really kind of made sense to me why his message now is so focused on food past numbers, is so focused on food as culture, food as experience, food as family. And it really, really clicked when when I kind of put the pieces together here that he has a beautiful, adorable daughter. And also I'm realizing as I'm saying this, Desi just got married. So Desi, if you are listening, if anybody else is listening who knows Desi, go congratulate him because he literally just got back from his wedding week. So big congratulations to him, but a big part of his message and what he shows for his Fitz Dad's cook population, what he calls them fit perennials or fit parent millennials, not the perennial like the flower, like we clarify in our conversation, but he really focuses and emphasizes on the importance of creating this positive culture and dialogue around food where kids are exploring food. They're learning what they like and what they don't like and the importance as a parent of being able to model a positive relationship with food and kind of hold that space for the kid to do that exploring. So if you are a parent If you're a dad, which in all honesty, I don't know how many dads listen to this podcast. (laughs) Maybe I don't know my audience that well, but I'm pretty sure maybe most of you aren't dads. Um, But I think if you're a parent, if you're anyone who just has any interaction with kids or just life in general, you're going to get a lot out of my conversation with Desi. So without further ado, here is Desi. Welcome to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need 
needs to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Welcome to the Yours Chili podcast. So I'm sitting here, not face to face, but screen to screen with today's guest who has a really cool first name and a last name who I just asked to pronounce or I, I asked for clarification on pronunciation, but Desi is his first name, which I think that's a pretty cool name. So before you even get to introduce yourself, Desi, I, I'm just wondering, is it short for something or is that like on your birth certificate? No, no, no. It's it's short for Desiderio or Desiderio if if we're uh, talking in other types of dialects. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I definitely wouldn't have guessed that. And I, if I were to try to pronounce that, it definitely would come out like the latter version of what you just said. Yeah. No, I get, I, I oftentimes joke with people because my last name is A-B. So I'm oftentimes the first person that the teacher would call. So each year it never failed teacher would get up and like I'd see him or her start to sweat and then try and be like hey it's it's Desi I'll just make this easy on you I'm here <laughs> yeah it's like thanks mom and dad no I can kind of uh, yeah. resonate with you my name is not hard to pronounce by any means but yeah. my first name is actually Catherine my middle name is Claire um so always when they would be going through roll call they would call someone named Catherine and I would be like chilling like, in the back not paying attention yeah. like, who is that and then eventually they would like try the middle name and they'd be like oh that's me oh. Hey, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I can I can vibe with you there. But um anyways, yeah. very cool name. Glad you have shortened it for easing my life at least. But absolutely that's why I did it. <laughs> yeah, just just for me, for this girl you never knew that you were gonna meet years in the future. Yep, just for yeah. me. Yeah. Um but I obviously know a little bit about what you do as a dietitian, and you have a really cool angle through which you view nutrition and you take things, I think at least, but tell anybody who maybe isn't familiar with what you do, kind of just your approach to nutrition and what you do on a daily basis. Absolutely. So my approach really started, obviously, you know, the, the schooling that we go through, you learn a lot about obviously life cycle, and then you'll learn a little bit about culture and some of the other things, then obviously the clinical nutrition aspect. So throughout that process, um, for me, it's been really nice because it brings it back to family and culture. So that's something that I always try to bring into what I do now. So now as an online nutrition coach, entrepreneur, sports dietitian, and then also consulting at a, a nonprofit health center, I try to bring that angle in with anyone that I'm working with. So my first experience in the nutrition field was with eating disorders which I think is really huge. And I tend to tell people, and especially when I go back to the university that I graduated at and lecture on just career, I always tell people, hey, if you're unsure, go get some experience with eating disorders because it teaches you so much about the process of empathy, the process of shame, uh, how to talk to a client, how to read their nonverbals. And it's something that I use in my day-to-day all the time, whether it's working with elite-level athletes, the online, you know, fit dad clients that I have, and then also obviously at the community level. So a lot of who I serve now is mainly um, Major League Baseball. So I'm a sports dietitian with the Milwaukee Brewers. And in addition to that, with my online nutrition coaching business, my message is really towards dads. It's always towards dads because for me, um, you kind of heard this during the call the other day, 
I didn't have a whole lot of resources when I first became a dad. So my daughter's three now. I'm very much going on 21. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of resources. So right now, a lot of my messages catered towards just really trying to provide value for, for men and for dads and, and a whole lot of empowerment too, because I, I also felt that I had to navigate that by myself. And I, and I wish that I hadn't because there's a whole lot of mommy blogs, but not a whole lot of dad um, empowerment and, and blogs and things like that. So my message is really, really catered towards just men empowerment and also just empowering them to, to be imperfect throughout their process. I love it. And there's, I love it, first of all. And there's so many things that we could unpack. But the thing that I'm kind of most astounded by here in the beginning is obviously the content of yours that I am most familiar with is what you put out on Instagram for your nutrition coaching business, which is obviously Mm -hmm. your dad empowerment, which I love that you kind of saw a gap in the market because I can resonate with you. And granted, I might be the farthest person who is like looking (laughs) for information on how to be like a good dad because that's not who I am or where I am. At all, but I can totally resonate yeah. with the fact that there's a ton of stuff catered towards women and moms, but not dads. So I love that you kind of filled that void in a way, but also something that I don't really think I knew from you. Maybe I kind of got a little bit of a gist from how you approach and talk about food and some of your messaging. I didn't really know at all that you had prior experience with eating disorder clients, and I Totally agree that in working with people in disordered relationships with food, you learn a ton about, like you said, how to communicate with people, how to read people, how Mm -hmm. to really approach something as special and as like intimate, for lack of a better term, than nutrition. And I think that like just sets people up to be a better coach. Like the more you can communicate, the more you can read people, the better. So I'm, I'm curious, and this isn't necessarily a question that I had planned, to ask you, but since I <laughs> found <we> <laughs> out that we kind of have similar parts of our career path in a way, because I work with a lot of people with disorder relationships with food, with eating disorders, things like that. What is maybe something that you learned in working in that subset of the dietetics world that, and you kind of already touched on this, but something that anyone who is listening can maybe take and apply to how they interact with other people in their relationship with food. And does that make sense? Like not making comments yeah. about people's food or kind of like staying in your own lane in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'll, I'll answer your question with two things. And if for some reason I go off on a tangent and forget the second, you can help, you know, retract. Okay. okay. Got it. <laughs> so I didn't get a dietetic internship out of the gates. You know, I was kind of one of those candidates that wasn't ideal. Right. Um, so what I went to go do was to reach out to any, anyone and everyone that I tried to just coordinate with when I was in my undergrad. So by default, I ended up, um, hitting up a person who owned a intensive outpatient. So that was my end, uh, to the eating disorder world. And it started with like meal monitoring. So I started there and then started doing nutrition classes. And at the same time, I've been really fortunate, uh, Claire, to have some really, really great mentors. Uh, my wife is, is one of those that's included because you know that's where we met. We worked together, so she was an eating sort of therapist, and I was like the dietitian. Oh, we like yeah, that's awesome. Book, yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so I learned. I would sit in on groups. I would sit in on really tough ta- uh, trauma groups, family groups, because I just wanted to immerse myself. And the other aspect of that, and this is what I tell a lot of new dietitians or dietitians who are trying to work in the field, um, exactly what you had said. There's a there's a language that you have to speak. 
um, kind of call it like the ED language. Like if you can speak it, then you're really good and you can work with these uh, types of people who are struggling with that. And at the same time, you're really aware about not only just from the standpoint of like verbal communication, but nonverbals too. So I really tried to immerse myself in the therapeutic process. And my mentors were all therapists and really great psychologists. So um, <laughs> if one were to sit in my sessions, you would say like, oh, like he's walking the line of like therapy and also, you know, nutrition. And at the same time, I do think that there's a lot of crossover because food is, is ingrained in our culture, in our family, in our family systems. It's ingrained in everything. And so it's, it's really important. And what I usually tell new dietitians or I don't know how you feel, but I've had comments like, oh, you work with eating disorders? That's almost impossible. And it's like, no, like it's the most fruitful, yeah. Um, yeah. It's the most fruitful sector in the world because not only are you just helping someone navigate the relationship with food, but you're helping them navigate their relationship with their body, which I think is huge. Yeah. And I think too, I almost frame it as like anyone, whether you want to call it an eating disorder, whether you want to say disorder relationship with food, even if there is a line there, right? Like there's a lot of gray area, but I find it to be really rewarding when you can kind of help someone just get their life back in a way. Yeah. It's yeah. like if, if that was, cause like you said, food is ingrained in almost every aspect of our life. So if that is a point of negativity for somebody. If yeah. you one of the people, again, it's like a whole team approach for a lot of cases, but if you can be one of the people who has an integral role in helping someone to improve that one thing in life that is everywhere, that is ubiquitous, and it's like so fruitful, like you said, and it is really rewarding. And one thing that I want to go back to, just because like my mind is being blown right now. So you sure. met your now wife in that clinic setting. She was a therapist, you said, who worked with eating disorders. Uh -huh. So yeah, now, so, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, we started, we were obviously friends at first. And, you know, we, we oftentimes joke with each other because I don't necessarily now work with eating disorders. I have a couple clients that I'll keep, uh, but at the same time, I, I've kind of moved on and to, to different areas of my career. But my wife and I will, will go back and like, you know, when we really connected was when we started to do groups together, like after meal groups or, or things like that. And we got to be creative with one another. And I think, and we joke about this all the time, uh, when you share that amount of vulnerability with a group and you're able to do that, like there are times where we would get done with the group and we would both just lay on the floor and just look up at the ceiling like, wow, what the hell just happened right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it, but it was really great because I, I think that there's, there's a method to vulnerability and I'm a huge Brené Brown person. Oh. Um, there's a method to, yeah, right. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a huge method to, to doing that. And in order to do so, I really love, I don't know who coined it or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's Brené Brown. Um, if you can sit in someone's darkness and not want to change or not want to fix, that's when you know that you have your own, you know, shit essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, worked on. So that, that thing, that, that concept really speaks to me all the time, you know, with everyone that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm hearing you kind of voice these things it like, there's no question in my mind that's like, 
yes, he worked with eating disorders and yes, he slayed it. He helped so many people just because, and you can really see this too. And we'll talk about how to connect with you on social media, but I feel like in what you do now and connecting and helping dads be Mm -hmm. a positive role model for food and life for their kids, for their family, there is a lot of empathy. There is a lot of talking about food in this positive way. And you're like, yes, you're like, I'm glad she's, but one thing um, that I want to know. So you, you met your wife in the setting. So obviously, you both have the knowledge to cultivate or to help people cultivate a positive and healthy relationship and environment around food. So I'm just thinking about your three-year-old daughter now, who is, by the way, adorable. (laughs) Thank you. So cute with her curly hair. Like, oh my gosh. Um, Remind me of, remind me of her name. So uh, her first name is Aurora because my wife had said, well, we want her to get a really good job one day. So we don't want her to have anything that doesn't sound professional, which I was like, man, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but we call her Rory. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. adorable as well. Family of cool <laughs> names, by the way. So yeah, what, I, what I want to know is I have to be, I'm thinking in my head, like this little girl is set up with like boss role models when it comes to food. And I know something that you probably talk a lot about with your clients, if you're working with dads is how we learn a lot. And this is what I talk about with some of my clients with, where they're saying like, I know I shouldn't feel this way about food or like, I know I need to think this way. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like there is no shouldn't because so much of what you learn to be true about food you picked up before you were even old enough to piece together what you were learning, right? Kids are sponges when it comes to anything, but especially food habits. And I told you kind of before we hit record, I was very lucky and fortunate to grow up in a household where I had positive role models around food and food was something that we came together over and it's something that was creative and I was involved in the process. So I want to know from you, how do you two as like a parenting team kind of work together to make sure that she is growing up with a healthy relationship with food? And I know that's a very loaded question, so you can take it however you want, but it would be useful for any like parents who are listening, I'm sure. Sure. So, I mean, we, uh, we have a diverse family. So uh, I'm a Latino. Um, my wife is, um, I would say, white with a, a thousand things, kind of like most of us. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, maybe Norwegian, maybe some other things she doesn't know. Um, but my, my daughter's a, a nice mixture of the two, obviously. So a, a lot of what we try to, and this, and this is where it goes back to a really great team and um, empathy-based approach where we're acknowledging each other's different cultural tendencies, especially involved with food. So we live in Arizona, so it, it's pretty easy for the Latin culture to, to be ingrained. But one of the things that my wife and I like to do is um, we like to have discussions about, you know, if it's just meal planning, it's also things that we might want Rory to try. And and I think it has a lot to do where, where it really points back to the, you know, Alan Satter division of responsibilities, where we are just um, – kind of giving Rory the opportunity to, to try new foods or the opportunity to um, play with food, you know, for the longest time. She, she still doesn't, doesn't use a fork. What am I talking about? She still <laughs> does. Uh, but we allow her to do so. And, and I think that whole process is really imperfect because I'm not going to lie to you, Claire. There are times where I'm like, she has made a damn mess and I literally just swept. <laughs> like, and my wife has to remind me like, hey, she's exploring her food world right now. So you need to support that. And I'm like, you know what? this is what I want in the end. So absolutely. So I think uh, from a parent perspective, it's the ability to have the conversation 
and also to be imperfect about it. Like I said, I, I don't do this perfectly, but one thing that is really important for me to teach Rory is for her to, to love food, to love her body, and also to appreciate the food culture and, and what that means. Um, you know, I've talked about this in kind of different podcasts or even some of the talks that I've done. Um, for me, food and, and culture and family it had a lot to do with holidays. And so I didn't get, you know, gifts per se, but, you know, every single birthday of mine, I'm 33. Um, my mom will ask me the same two questions. It's, hey, what do you want to eat and who do you want to have over? Which I think is really powerful because it's a positive association to that one type of food. And if we break it down, it would be classically what most Latinos would say, like, oh, is that healthy? Like, absolutely, it's healthy because I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, too, because your last point just kind of illustrated something that I say a lot because I find that as dietitians, as we both are, our schooling is so mechanical. It's like, this is what a carb is. This is what a fat is. This is the Krebs yeah. cycle that you have to memorize. Yeah. Like It's like <laughs> all of this stuff that... To a point, like, yes, it serves a purpose. And for the science background, we have to know it. But I think we need to zoom out a lot of the times and be like, to the people who we are working with, they don't really care about the Krebs cycle, right? <laughs> they don't care the exact breakdown of how a carb works in the body. What I think we need to emphasize for them is, yes, food is fuel and food is used in the body to keep you going, but it's also so much more than that. And the moment that we start reducing food to this is what you can and can eat, or this is the time that you have to eat and the time that you shouldn't eat, yeah. we really do nutrition a disservice, I feel. Um, so that's why, why our messages, I feel like, align in a way because I feel like you approach it from a very uh, connected standpoint and you mm -hmm. have fun Absolutely. with it and you're letting your daughter explore. And it is something that adds value to life rather than stresses everybody Absolutely. out. So one thing that I'm curious with, obviously I am not a mom. I do not have kids one day in my future. I think I'll hopefully yeah. learn the answer to this question, but for now I'll take advice from you and you can answer it for me. One <laughs> thing that I do a lot with in intuitive eating, obviously I work as an intuitive eating dietitian. So one thing I reassure all of my clients when they're kind of having this initial fear of, but when I take away the external validation, like my fitness pal, the diet, when I take that away, then air quote, I won't know how to eat, right? But you just mm -hmm. described that you are raising a beautiful daughter yeah. in a very intuitive way. And we are all born intuitive eaters and she knows what to do if you give her the food, like she can't go and make the food totally herself, but she knows how to eat and when to stop eating when she's full and how to enjoy food. So I'm curious from your dad perspective, like you see this every single day, how can you maybe reassure some of our listeners who are fearful that they don't know how to eat intuitively, that they were indeed born with that ability? Yeah. So, I mean, whether or not I'm, and, and I talked to a couple of people on, on podcasts about this that are very intuitive eating, uh, you know, minded, you know, whether I'm working with the elite level athletes that I work with, or even my, my dad clients, the, the thing that I try to promote is education at first. So at first we might give them some, I might give them some structure, but I always tell them the end game is for you to listen to your body. So if in this moment you're saying that you're, you're, you're more hungry, I'm going to teach you ways to make sure like, okay, well, these types of foods are going to help, um, you know, you get full faster, right? So these, these will help you with that, or these, these will help you get longer lasting energy. So it's an, it's an education piece. And at the same time, I really pointed back to Clara, exactly what you were talking about, where it's like, Hey, 
as a child, you did this perfectly. And then throughout your process, you got some external messages and maybe you shouldn't eat this or maybe you should be doing this. And, you know, that's one thing that I try to promote where it's like, hey, at first we're going to do some education at the at the very end or even like if I did my job as your online nutrition coach, uh, you would have started to do this by yourself. And we get to we get an opportunity to say, like, fly, birdie, fly type of thing. <laughs> right. So that's that's something that I always try to promote where it's like, hey, education at first and then get you to trust your body because that's what we need you to do. And that's what is also going to teach your family to do the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think too, as we get older, the education piece is important because kids, I mean, we don't really know any better. We're, we are born knowing how to eat. So we eat the food and we don't really ask a lot of questions other than like, oh, I do, or I don't like this. And I think you can probably yeah. tell when a kid doesn't like yeah. something, right? She'll spit it out. But as we get older, yeah. Again, we don't lose the ability, but of course there's going to be more questions as we formulate the ability to hold skepticism or to hear those yeah. external messages, right? So I find that including the education while also what you just said, reassuring people that you do know how to do this. You're just getting back to a place where you trust that is really important. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to do like a little bit of a 180 here. I love like, even though you don't, identifies like I work with only intuitive eating clients. Now it's mm -hmm. like you hold so much value in this realm because you see it every single day yeah. and you pass mm -hmm. with your eating disorder clients. But one thing I want to kind of focus in on now, because you've alluded to it a couple times and I don't want to leave the audience hanging being like, this guy keeps mentioning <laughs> <laughs> you laugh at my audience. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, love I don't want to leave him hanging asking <laughs> like, yeah, asking like what, so he keeps mentioning dads, but what does he do? And kind of, and you um, have this, uh, wow, words, this coin, this term coined, there we go, words. You have this coin termed on your Instagram page of, and I wrote it down, fit perennial. Did I say it right? Did I say <laughs> yeah. that right? So describe yeah. to us what that means. Cause I know it is in conjunction with your online nutrition coaching and with your, with your dad. So tell us a little bit about what this means and what you do with this term. <laughs> so I started this account probably, let's see, it's yeah, almost last June pretty much. Cause I was kind of doing personal and didn't really have a direction. Uh, and then through the process of coaching in different webinars, I was like, hey, like, I'm really passionate about this dad stuff. So it started at um, the dad nutritionist, right? And it's kind of evolved into now what my Instagram handle is, Fit Dads Cook. Uh, at the same time, a lot of the market research I was doing, I saw this term that I really liked because a lot of my uh, message is catered towards the millennial dad, right? Because uh, I'm a millennial father. So the, the the term that I liked was the perennial and I've tried to search for the the article and I can't find it because it keeps mentioning flowers. <laughs> I know. I was gonna I was gonna say it kind of reminds yeah. me of like the flowers that just keep coming back year after year, right? That's a yeah, is that an annual. I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I was telling my wife, I was like, hey, what about this? Cause I kind of created the Facebook group towards like the fit perennial, the the fit uh, parent millennial. And she was like, that kind of, isn't that a flower? And I was like, no, it's not. And so we looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I hope people don't get the wrong message. Um, but at the same time, my, my messaging uh, now has, I would say, somewhat evolved from really still working with men and dads, but also acknowledging that um, I could not be successful if it wasn't for my wife. 
And I also understand that other men cannot be successful, whether it's their their partner, their wife, whatever, or even family members, if, you know, because it takes a tribe to, to create a really great human, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to acknowledge those things. So my messaging is towards the fit perennial, right? The parent millennial. Um, but it's always something that I have to explain for people because they're like, well, what does that mean? Like, well, you know, <laughs> read the Facebook cover. <laughs> like it says it. Yeah. Well, lucky for you, actually, and I'm I'm glad you did explain it, but lucky for you, when I first read that term, I knew exactly what you meant. Like, I knew that you were talking about yes. millennial parents, <laughs> but now yeah. once we started saying it out loud, it's like, you know, when you read something and then you say it out mm-hmm. loud and it sounds different. When we started saying it out loud, I was like, oh, that is a type of flower, but, and maybe this is just a judgment or a preconceived notion, but for some reason in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe women, and this is like totally just a stereotype, maybe women know a little bit more about flowers than men. So if you're targeting men anyways, maybe they yeah. automatically know what you mean. Who's to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, that's the hope at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, before before we wrap up, I want to ask, because I'm, again, so fascinated at your target audience, because it is so different from anything I've ever seen before. So when you're working with these fit perennials, or these dads, and helping them to obviously craft a nutrition plan for themselves, but one that allows them to kind of create this positive environment around food with their whole family. What is maybe like the main, and again, this is a very loaded question because I'm sure you cover a lot with your clients, but what is maybe one of like the main things that you do cover with like 90% of your clients that they find to be really impactful, just like a 10,000 foot, like major takeaway from your coaching as it stands now. So the, the things that I do, and, and I really like this, and it continues to evolve, um, so I'm excited to see what the next phase might bring. But what I try to do, uh, especially with my, you know, my, my fit dad clients or fit perennial clients, where we have weekly action items, right? Kind of like you probably do with, with uh-huh. your uh, clients. Yeah. Um, so our action items are based off of a wellness-based item. So that could be anything from obviously exercise or food, a family connection based items. So, you know, a lot of what I hear a lot is that, you know, these, these men or or these, um, these working, you know, perennials are really overloaded, really stressed. They work too much. They don't sleep enough. Uh, They're not connected with their family. And so I try to make sure that weekly it's like, Hey, how are you going to connect with your family this week? Cause I have just found in my own life, when I make sure that I schedule time to be like, Hey, For instance, like one boundary that I have for myself is past 6.30 p.m., my phone goes in my office and I just leave it, right? So that's one of the action items. The other things that we look at, too, is uh, a gratitude-based item. So a lot of what I start, a lot of my guys, (laughs) and it's funny when I tell them, like, hey, this is what we're going to do, because a lot of them are like, well, I know I'm thankful, but, like, what do you mean? And so they're uncomfortable with the vulnerability of, like, well, what are you thankful for? Um, and then we talk about the science and then they start doing it and they're like, oh my gosh, like, why wasn't I doing this before? And I'm like, okay, well, this is why you're in the program. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll do all of those uh, action items and then we'll, we'll take a look at what their morning routine and what their nighttime routine is. And it's really, clear all about the imperfection of just being a human and at the same time using their energy more efficiently. So it has a lot more to do with like, hey, if part of your nighttime routine is to go over like, hey, what three things are you thankful for throughout the day or what three things um, got you excited? 
we're sort of recounting that. So it really has a lot to do with the mindset. So the thing that I work on first, before we even get to food, is mindset. Because sometimes, you know, we're our worst enemy. You know, I tend to tell a lot of my guys, like, hey, um, if you were to personify your negative thoughts um, as a person, would you be friends with that person? They're like, no, hell no. Like, okay, then why? <laughs> well, then why do you hang out with that person? So it's one of those things where it's, it's a huge mindset shift. And, and that's what we start with. It's, it's something that I really, really love to do because it's always different. It's always different. The last thing that you were saying there reminds me of, and I'm probably, whenever I try to do a quote on the spot, I nine times out of 10 will butcher it, but it goes something along the lines of your body will only go as far as your mind will allow. So even if like, and I, you know, from me, this isn't coming from like a a body, like I want six pack abs. Like it's not coming from that. Like if you want your body to recover a positive relationship with food or maybe recover Mm -hmm. from disordered eating patterns, then your mind has to be trained first. Like we have to go to that place first. So it's really cool and reassuring for me to see. And like, I see, even though our target audiences are different, I see a lot of similarities in our programming because you kind of have three pillars that you just counted out. It was like Mm -hmm. your, your wellness or your nutrition piece. And it's a connection piece. And then it's a gratitude Mm -hmm. piece. Mine is based off of um, what I call eat gently, move freely and love fiercely. So it's talking about food, um, freely like intuitive movement, (laughs) and then some sort of gratitude piece. So we're thinking along the same lines, even though you're all the way in Arizona, we have like some sort of like telepathy. We got it. We got it. Um, And there we are. But I, I love that. And I want to thank you. Of course, I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to thank you for hopping on the pod with me today. It's like two peas in a pod. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) Uh, with your audience. Yeah, with the audience. I'm all about the puns here. Wait until you hear. By the time this episode comes out, it will have already released. But um, in real time, as you and I are recording this, I'm actually releasing the episode with Tony Castillo um, tomorrow as we speak. And oh my gosh, the pun, because you both have a sports dietitian background as well. Yeah current ground we could say but so many baseball puns there so you'll have to listen to that one but um before we sign off here i have two final questions for you mr desi so the first one is a little bit more logistical so if anybody is hearing your message and they're like this guy's really cool or to be totally honest and transparent with you i don't think i have that many dads listening to the podcast but if (laughs) one out there sure i got some fit moms it's okay yeah fit moms if there's anybody who's just like this guy is cool i want to also be good to raise an intuitive eater or a good parent in that way how can anyone who is listening find your message and get more of your content in their feed absolutely so uh you can find me on instagram at fit dads cook i'm sure you'll put it in the the notes um for the show uh, you can find our Facebook group, the Fit Perennial, obviously for uh, parent millennials. And on top of that, if you want to watch my TED Talk on YouTube, it's uh, Food Fights Will Save Your Life. So uh, check those out. I would love to, to talk with any of you um, just to talk about imperfections, goals, baseball, basketball, football, anything. You're like pretty much anything that you want to talk about. I'm your guy. And I'm I'm your guy. And I had no idea. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm like a little bit starstruck by you, even in this moment now, (laughs) like after we're just like friends, acquaintances talking, I had no idea that you had a TED talk out there. So along with everybody listening to the pod, 
I'm going to have to go watch that as I'm sure they will too. And I'll keep all of that listed there in the show notes for anybody to reference. Perfect. But my final question for you is one that I always wrap up my podcast with, because as you know, my message is about intuitive eating, but the larger message behind that is about being gentle with yourself, being gentle with how you approach food, movement, your mindset, all of these things. So I am going to ask you, what do you do in your daily life to live a little bit more gently with yourself? AKA, what are some of the things that you fit into your busy life to give you space to keep going rather than kind of beating yourself up for everything that goes wrong along the way? That's a really good question. I would have to say, and and I think this is life, everything's going to evolve to, to a large extent. Um, I would say right now, the biggest thing for me is my morning routine. So I will get up uh, very, very early in the morning and I will start with uh, my gratitude. So I have a gratitude that's based off of love in my relationship. I have a gratitude based off of career and a, a lot of the abundance mindset. And then I also have uh, a gratitude for my emotional well-being. So I'll talk about those things. Um, and then I'll, I'll talk about something um, that I want to share, like sharing my discovery, whether that be with like our mentorship uh, community or just um, from a content standpoint, like, hey, what message do I want to share today? Because I, I love to be a creative uh, and the other things that I try to do as well is like, hey, what sort of wellness um, item, you know, like activity do I want to do today? So a lot of times it could be exercise, it could be meditation, it could be something. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, how do I want to have fun with my family today? And usually it has a lot to do with with getting home and going to the park and just seeing my daughter just really be in her element and, and have fun. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that you have realized this. I'm sure this is nothing new, but those kind of three core parts of your nutrition coaching program showed up just there in the things that you do every (laughs) single day. So I'm guessing that is why it's so natural for you to talk about these things is because they are so ingrained in your life. So you couldn't have given a better answer. I would do a mic drop for you, but I don't want to ruin my mic. <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. At least the floor is the carpet, so maybe it wouldn't be too bad, but... Yeah. Desi, thank you so much for your time today. We will make sure to link all of your info in the show notes below. And for anyone who is listening, who resonates with his message, who wants to go watch his TED Talk, go find his info. He has a recent post on peanut butter and jelly. Or it was like, remind me, it was like peanut butter and berries, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was uh, peanut butter and blueberries. So yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll have to try that. PB&J Queen is intrigued. But until (laughs) next time, podcast family, yours truly, Desi and Claire. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. If you got any value out of the conversation that I had with Desi today, or if you've gotten any value out of any other episode you may have listened to here on the pod, please do not hesitate to like, love, and share this episode so that this message can reach the ears of other people who may need to hear it. The best way you can do this is to take a minute. I know you're busy, but just take one second and leave a five-star rating on the podcast in a couple of moments 
chance to leave a, a rating, review, anything positive you have to say about what you've gained from listening to the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can easily share this to any social media channel, to your mom, your dog, your grandma, anyone you want to by tapping the three little dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. That will give you a shareable link. And you can also take a screenshot of whatever platform you are listening to this podcast episode on, share it to your social media platforms, talk it up, do whatever you will. And thanks so much. We'll see you next week.